Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. What I want to uh, minister for us today is... uh, how Jesus Christ in redemption obtained our peace. And so let's go together to Isaiah 53. And there's a a certain scripture here that every time I quote this verse, this portion of the scripture just really um, stirs me. Isaiah 53, of course... This is a a scripture that we use if we are standing against sickness. It is a scripture that we use to, to, to teach or to learn about the redemption that Jesus has uh, equipped us with. But I want to read this from the Amplified. If you could put the Amplified on the screen, Isaiah 53 and verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs. Now, this is something that it would benefit you to read in Young's Living Translation or even go to the original in the Strong's Concordance because in King James, the word is griefs, but in the original language, the word is sickness. The word is sickness. And so many translations that are are very uh, uh, close to that original meaning like Young's Living Translation, uses that in it. And then we see it here in the Amplified as well. He has borne our sicknesses. Surely he has borne our sicknesses. Amen? Amen? Our weaknesses, our distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. So he bore our sickness and carried our pain, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, as with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. And this is the phrase that I I am always stirred with. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word chastisement is another word for punishment. And when we go through each one of these different aspects, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment, it's talking about the work of redemption that began even in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was pulling His will under the will of God and the first drops of blood were shed for our redemption there in the Garden. And then when He was taken into uh, Pilate's uh, presence to be and, and beaten in the courtyard and, and the thir- crown of thorns uh, representing the curse uh, was was pushed down upon his head and those thorns uh, uh, drug into, dug into his, his, his head and his skull and his scalp. And, and then they uh, beat him with their fists in the face. And then they took him to the whipping post and they, they laid those, those stripes upon his back until the Weiss translation says, It is singular, one stripe by his stripe because his back had become one wound, one large mass of bloody wounded flesh. By that wound we are healed. And then they pierced his hands and his feet as they nailed those spikes into his body, hanging him on the cross. And as he hung on the cross and all the sin of humanity and all the sickness 
of humanity. Every cancer was laid upon Jesus. Every, every uh, tuberculosis was laid upon Jesus. Every, every blood disease, every mental illness, every form of sickness. He became sin and He bore our sicknesses. Hallelujah. All of that is involved in the word punishment, chastisement. He endured every punishment that was necessary to obtain our peace. And you know if you've read my book, The Peace That Comes From Being Made Whole, that the word peace means more than just a freedom of calamity, a sereneness or a calmness. The word peace means nothing missing and nothing broken, a condition of our life, a state of being in our life where we are no longer missing or broken in any area. Not in our finances, not in our marriage, not in our relationship with our children, but there is a wholeness, a peace, a restoration that comes into our life that is supernatural. And God begins to take everything that was broken and make it whole again. That's the peace of God. And there was a chastisement necessary to obtain that for us. For this to be legally received by you and I, there had to be a price paid, a chastisement, a punishment laid upon Jesus that would make it legal for God to restore your life to wholeness. And Jesus willingly, willingly came and paid that price. He willingly entered into the earth as a man to become sin for us, to be the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And so I want to I want to I want us just to give our attention to that price that he paid this morning. Can we ever can we ever exhaust that topic looking okay are we I I never want to look at that and say I know everything I need to know about that because it is so dear to me that Jesus paid that price that I want it to always be something that I'm interested in something that I'm willing to listen to that again. You know, sometimes my pastor will start to tell a story and he said, have I told you this before? I said, tell me again, pastor. Tell me again. Yes, but I want to hear it again. I want to hear every detail because every time he tells it, I'll get something I didn't get before, right? And that's the way it is when we hear about redemption. Tell me about that redemption again. Tell me about how he shed that blood again. Tell me about how he became sin who knew no sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Tell me. Tell me how he was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquity and the chastisement necessary to obtain my peace was laid upon him. I can hear that story again and again and again and every time I get just as thrilled and even more thrilled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we recognize redemption, I'll tell you something that helped me so much in learning about redemption is to recognize that because of Adam's sin, I needed more than just forgiveness. You know, when I first came into the kingdom, that's all I thought I needed, just just forgiveness because that was where he met me. I came in knowing I was a sinner. I came in with the needle marks on my arms from the drugs I'd been doing. I came in with the drugs in my pocket, y'all. I came in nodding. The preacher woke me up from a drug-induced sleep in the pew to ask me if I wanted to receive Jesus. So I knew I needed forgiveness. I was aware how much I needed forgiveness. I was very aware. But as I grew in God, I began to realize... He did more in redemption than just provide forgiveness for me. He did more because forgiveness all by itself would not have been enough to restore my relationship with God. If He had only forgiven me without changing me, I would would be still a sinner. If He only forgave me without making me new in my nature, changing my nature, then I would still be 
a sinner by nature who was in constant need of forgiveness. And, and you know, God is so loving and so kind that if we sin, He will forgive us. But we don't have to sin every day because He not only forgave us, but He gave us victory over sin by changing our nature and making us righteous by nature so that we can live unto God. Romans chapter 6 says you are no longer a debtor to sin. You don't owe sin any obedience. You don't have to sin because sin comes and says, come on now and, and just cuss that person out. No, I'm redeemed from that. I'm redeemed from cussing them out. I'm redeemed from, from, from giving them a piece of my mind. I'm redeemed from holding a grudge. I'm redeemed. Whatever, whatever level uh, you are in in your redemption, you know, when I first got saved, it was just, you know, I'm saved from cussing. But after a while of walking with the Lord, I got saved from holding grudges. Well, I, I'm born again enough that I, I can walk in love and forgive right away. Amen? But the fact that we needed more than just forgiveness changed my understanding of redemption because I began to see that in order for God to have the relationship with me that He designed me for, He had to not only cleanse my sin, but He had to change my nature because the biggest problem I had was spiritual death. It wasn't my sin. Sin was a result of the spiritually dead condition I was in. So God had to go even further than just dealing with the sin and he had to go even deeper and give me life where I was dead. He had to change my nature and he had to make me alive where I was spiritually dead. So let's go back and look at Genesis 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1, 26. We read it earlier as we were... Well, actually we read 28. Let's read 26. This is the original plan. If you want to see the will of God, you find the will of God, the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is in the garden before the fall, in the life of Jesus, and the way things are in heaven today. Amen? When God created man, we see his perfect plan. This was the plan God intended for our lives. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. He begins to describe all the that he's given us. I want us to focus on this. Let us make man. Now, when God got ready to make the animals, he spoke to the earth. And he said, earth, bring forth. When he got ready to create the fish and the birds, he spoke to the waters. He spoke to the waters and commanded the waters to bring forth. But when he prepared to create man... He spoke to himself, let us make man in our image. He didn't speak to the earth. He didn't speak to the waters. He spoke to himself, let us, let us. Because he's calling forth out of himself mankind. Now, yes, our earth body, our earth suit is formed, not created, but formed out of the dirt. But I'm not this body and neither are you. You are not your body. This body is just a temporary house that you're living in. It's your mobile home here on the earth. You have a mobile home. Amen. And, and the way that we uh, can who we are in our spirit, not in our body. I'm not dictated by what my body wants to do. I'm led by the spirit of God who dwells in my spirit, in me, in my spirit. So I am a spirit. I have a body. I have, I have a soul, I live in a body, but I am a spirit created in the image of God. Not every human being on the earth is in God's image. Every human being on the earth is created by God, but every human being on the earth is not a son of God. Because the Bible says in John chapter 1, for you to become a son of God, it says for those who believed on him, to them he gives the power, the authority to become the sons of God. Yeah. So to become a son of God, you've got to believe on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So a person can be created. Every human being is created by God, but every human being is not a son of God. Amen. To be a son of God, you must be born again. 
And the, the reason why is because when you are born again, you pass from death to life. Every human being on the planet is born spiritually dead and need to receive Jesus as their Lord so that life can enter back into their spirit. So we were in the original plan of God made in His image and after His likeness, spirit, soul, and body. God is three parts. He is a tripartite being. We are created in His image, spirit, soul, and body. And we, our spirit is alive with the life of God. So when God in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17 instructed Adam not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's read. But of the tree of the good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, die. You shall surely die. My center column reference identifies a, a phrase from the original Hebrew of this word, and it says, in dying, you shall die. In dying, you shall die. If you look the word in, up in the original language, you'll find out it's plural. It is speaking of two deaths. In dying, you shall die. When he says, you shall surely die, he is referring to the fact that if they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will die spiritually. And as a result of dying spiritually, they will eventually die physically. And that is exactly what happened. The moment that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their spirit life left them and spiritual death entered them. So we need to define spiritual death. Because too many people have an idea that death is a cessation of life. But when we're referring to spiritual death, it is not referring to a cessation of life. It is a condition separated from the life of God. Spiritually dead people are still walking and talking. They are very much alive physically, but they are separated from God. So spiritual death is a condition where a person is separated from the life of God and the second death is something even so so much against the way God created for man to be he created us to be in his image in his likeness connected to him through his life in us so the second death is a complete eternal separation from the life of God in a spiritually dead condition a person while they're alive on the earth has the opportunity to repent and receive the life of God in them. But the second death is an eternal separation from the life of God. That person who experiences the second death will still continue existing forever separated from the life of God because we are eternal beings. We will live forever. We will live forever somewhere. Wherever we, we, we have the ability to choose here and now where we live forever. We can choose to live forever connected to God, living with Him in His presence as His children, submitted to His Lordship through Jesus Christ, right? We have that opportunity, but everybody, even those who choose not, they will live, they will exist, but they won't live the life we're living. They will live. Second death is still an existence, but it is an eternal separation from the life of God. Now, wisdom is to put that in perspective. When, When we have the wisdom of God, then we recognize this earth and my life on this earth is so temporary compared to my eternity. I will live forever. You know, the, there's, the reason that some people are behaving the way they're behaving and choosing the things they're choosing is because they don't know what I just told you. Yeah. And if they do, if they've heard it, they don't believe it. Because if they really believe they would live forever somewhere and their ability to choose God right here and now is going to determine that eternal existence, they would not put off until some other day making a decision to accept Jesus. Yeah. They would recognize, hey, 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 I don't want to live that second death place. 
I don't want to exist forever separated from God. So I want to choose him now. And I want, to, I want to start learning now what I need to know now. Amen? And You know, when we come and we get to hear the word and we get to learn, uh, we're going to be in a, at advanced levels by those people who don't want to learn the word. They just want to get saved and just not even apply the word. They're going to have to go to kindergarten when they get to heaven. They're going to have to go back and learn some basics, right? We're going to come, I want to come in at the advanced level, right? I want to come in at the, the what, do, what do you call that advanced course? The, the, the AP level? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Lord, give me some spiritual AP classes, right? Well, when we recognize this redemption is something that goes all the way back to our spiritual condition, then we'll recognize the, the, the eternal value of Jesus' death on the cross and Jesus' Uh, dying in our place is that he died spiritually and physically so that we never have to experience a separation from God that we can be eternally separate or connected with God in our lives let's look at what happened when Adam and Eve fell let's go to Genesis chapter 3 because we know they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the moment they did the spiritual death entered into their spirit and they were no longer alive unto God and it changed the way they saw the world. It changed the way they saw each other. It changed what God had, had created them for. And so let's look in verse 7 of chapter 3. It says, The eyes of them both were opened. I know it says opened, uh, but if you ever look it up in the Strong's Concordance, you'll find out that that is also defined as blinded. The eyes of them both were blinded. You know, they, when, when Satan said to Eve, if you eat the fruit of this tree, you'll know like God. You'll have the knowledge of God. What a lie that was. She already had access to know everything God knew. She got to walk with him and talk with him in the cool of the garden. She could know, and, and mankind before the fall was capable of understanding the thoughts of God. They were, they were able to access the revelation knowledge and understand all the thoughts of God. So what a lie that was when Satan said, when you eat the fruit of this tree, you'll know as God knows. You know, I'll tell you what God's intent was. God never intended for them to taste, taste evil, experience evil. You know, I, I've raised uh, three of my children in, into their adulthood and in all of their lives. When, when we came to that, that teenage place, I had to convince them, my rules are not because I want to make your life miserable. Because they thought it was. They thought it was. They thought that mama is just a, mama is just one of those Christian Bible thumping mamas and she won't let me stay out past midnight. You know why I wouldn't let them stay out past midnight? Nothing good is happening in the world for my teenager, for anybody. Nothing good is happening. Nothing productive, nothing that's going to help you in college is, help, is going on after midnight. Nothing that's going to promote you on your job is happening after midnight. Amen. Amen? It was for their safety that I made the rules that I made. It was for their protection that I made the rules that I made. And so when, when we recognize that God had, in, his intent was, I, let me teach you. So you don't have to experience. You know, I never wanted my children to know what it was like to have a hangover and put their face in a place their face was never intended to be. Can I get a witness? I never wanted my children to know what that was like. I never wanted them to know what addiction was like, what, what uh, 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 sex outside of marriage was like. Why? Because it's not what society says it is. Sex outside of marriage is like drinking Drano. Poisonous. And you, you use Drano outside of its intended purpose and it is not good. 
And, and sex outside of marriage wounds a young woman. It wounds emotions. It, 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 for, for men and women, boys and girls, it is not to, intended to be used except for the, the manual. You know, do not, on, the, on the Drano bottle it says, do not use outside of the instructions that are given on this Drano bottle. <laughs> right? God never intended for us to experience evil. He never intended for us to taste evil. He never intended for us to know what it tasted like or felt like. He was going to teach us through His Word. Through His Word, He would have taught mankind all they needed to know about evil to protect them from it. That was God's intent, and that still is God's intent. In Christ, we don't... And that's what it says that it makes the difference between the immature person who still needs milk and the mature person who is skilled in the words of righteousness. Skilled in the word of righteousness means I am walking in obedience with wisdom to know that God told me this for my good and His rules are for my benefit. There is nothing God has ever commanded us that's for His benefit. For His, Even you shall have no other gods before you. It's not God... He knows it's good for you. He knows it's good for you not to have images and idols. He knows it's good for you not to have any other gods before Him. Because there's no God like our God. Amen? Every commandment is for our benefit. To protect us, His love. God, who is love, has given love commandments that are in there for our protection and for our betterment. Amen? So this is what we understand when we recognize that Satan was tempting Eve by saying God doesn't want you to have that knowledge. No, he did not want her to taste it. He did not want her to experience evil for herself. He wanted to teach her about it from the Word so that she would never have to experience the the fallout of that sin in her life or that evil in her life. So when man fell, what happened? Spiritual death entered into their spirits immediately. They were no longer alive to God. What else happened? Their nature changed. They were once, their nature, who they were on the inside, they were once carrying the nature of God. But when they fell, they are now connected to the nature of Satan because they obeyed his words. That's why God said, Obey my words, Deuteronomy 28. Hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God and all these blessings will come on you. When they hearkened to the voice of Satan and they obeyed his words, they sinned and in that their spiritual life changed to spiritual death and their nature, now they... See, the moon really doesn't have any light. The moon does not in itself produce light. We say, oh, the moonlight. But it's not produced by the moon. Where's that light coming from? Whatever light you see coming from the moon is only a reflection of the light that it's getting from the sun. And whatever you are reflecting is who you're connected to. If we are born again, we are connected to God and through our relationship, we are, we are portraying God. That's why you have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness. That's the character of God. That's the nature of God in your spirit. But when man sinned, now they are sinners by their nature. They weren't born that way. They weren't created that way. But they became that way by acting on the words of Satan. And they became sinners by nature. And their nature we can see in their actions. Let's read here in verse 7. The eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. They weren't naked when God created them. God has created a covering for everything He created. He created a covering for everything He created. God didn't create them naked. Say amen to that. Amen. <laughs> amen. 
God created them with glory. Psalm chapter 8, Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 3, I think it is. It says that it, he, he has crowned us, 2-7 actually, Hebrews 2. And Psalm 8 says that he has crowned us with glory. That was the original covering that man had. Glory was my coat. And in Christ, what have you been given back? You've been redeemed back into the glory clothes. You're covered in glory again. Amen? So when man fell, they lost their clothes, their glory clothes. But when we are redeemed, we get our glory restored. And then we also see, it says, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They'd never done that before. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. To the one who loved them more than any person ever loved them. They hid themselves from him amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam, where are you? And, and he said, I heard the garden and I was afraid because I lost my glory clothes. I was naked and I hid myself. So he had fear. He, he's experiencing a fear he's never experienced before. Fear is not natural to the believer. Fear is an unnatural thing to be in the spirit of a believer. We never have to be afraid another day in our lives. Pastor has the book, Fear Free Living, Never Be Afraid Another Day in Your Life. I gave him that subtitle, Never Be Afraid. He gave me my subtitle, How I Died and Lived to Tell About It, for walking the ground. I gave him one. So never be afraid another day in your life. Is it possible? It's supposed to be fact for you. It's supposed to be your way of living. Fear is off limits to the believer. Fear is contraband. If you get caught with fear, God said, fear not. He said, he said be anxious for nothing. In everything with thanksgiving, uh, make your request known unto God. Fear is contraband. If you get caught with fear, you do not want the angels to be patting you down. Then got, you got fear in your pocket. So fear was not originally a part of Adam's created way of doing things, but it came in through the fall. And then we see something else take place. In chapter 4 and verse 8, we see that Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Does anybody know... What Jesus said about the devil, that he is a, a murderer and a liar from the beginning? Whose nature? Who are they acting like? Who is Cain acting like when he kills his brother? He sure didn't learn that from God. He's not getting that from the nature of God. He's now acting like the nature of the one who is over him, who is controlling him, who is dominating him the nature of Satan. And then verse 9, the very next verse, the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Murder and a liar. Murderer and a liar. So his nature, what he is behaving like, he's behaving like the one he's connected to. Do you remember Jesus looked at the religious Pharisees of his day and he said, You are like your father, the devil. He, he referred to the, the devil being the one who was a father over them. Not because the devil birthed them or created them, but the devil was the one whose nature was present in their life. When we are born again, God restores our nature. The Bible says in 1 Peter that he has given, we are partakers of his divine nature. The nature of God is restored in the life of the believer when we receive Jesus as Lord. So this is what we're looking at, this plan of redemption that includes our, 
are changed from spiritual death to spiritual life. It includes a change from the, the nature of sin. We are no longer sinners by nature, but we now have been made partakers of His divine nature. And we are forgiven of our sins and, and free to not be under obligation to sin. Sin do, doesn't have control or, or any dominance over us. So Hebrews chapter 2, and let's look at verse 9. We're talking about how Jesus obtained peace for us. How the chastisement necessary to obtain our peace was laid upon Him. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, we see Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go back to verse 7. Go ahead and back up to 6. Because it's also good. Where do you start, right? Six, in one certain place. Now, we know this is a reference to Psalm 8. And it's being quoted here by the writer of Hebrews. One in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? We know that's in Psalm 8. You made him a little lower than the angels. In the Hebrew, in Psalm 8, it says, You made him a little lower than Elohim, which is the name of God, the plural name of God. You made him a little lower than God. Uh, there's a few translations that actually bring that out. You made him a little lower than God. Why? Because he had to die. And God can't die, right? He, made, he came as a man. So he's referring to man. He made him a man. You made him a man. You crowned him with glory. That was the original clothes. Jesus came dressed in that. Jesus was alive unto God from the moment he was conceived in his mother's womb. Not the moment he was born, the moment he was conceived, he was alive unto God. The spirit life of God was in Jesus in the womb. Praise God. He was 100% the Son of God and legally a man. All at the same time. Giving you and I the ability to become children of God by receiving Him. But we are, we are still human beings. But we're not just human beings. We're human beings who are alive unto God. Amen? Crowned with glory and honor. We see, it says, we saw man... You did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So all of mankind is not operating in the authority that God intended for us to operate in. We, but then it says in verse 9, but we see Jesus. Jesus came operating the authority. He could speak to the wind and the wind obeyed him. He could speak to the waves and the waves obeyed him because he was a man alive unto God operating in the authority that God had given to man. Just like Adam was a man who had the life of God in his spirit. And because the life of God was in his spirit, he was able to uh, operate the authority of God on the planet and be the manager of the planet. He would have, sub have, have, have dominion and the earth would be under subjection to him because he was a man alive unto God. But when man fell, he, he, in that fall, he, he authorized the enemy to take his position. And so Satan became the god of this world. But Jesus came and destroyed him who had the power of death. So Jesus, it says, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. The punishment necessary to obtain your peace began with Jesus Tasting death, experiencing death. And it's not just referring to physical death any more than Genesis 2, 7, uh, uh, 17 was referring to spiritual death or physical death. 
it, spiritual death was the problem. Adam and Eve, it, do you know why it took 900 and some odd years for Adam to die? His body wasn't created to die. God created his body to be immortal. But it required the life of God in his spirit to bring to his body. That's why healing is spiritual. And it comes to our body. It's not coming from the outside. It's coming from the inside. Wealth is spiritual. It comes from the inside. Amen. The blessing. We're, we're talking about a spiritual. The kingdom of God is within you. Your spirit is the ground of God. It's the kingdom of God. And your spirit is the, the outflow of the life of God that goes to your physical body and the other areas of your life. And so Jesus had to die spiritually. If Jesus didn't die spiritually, we would still have to. But he did and we don't. You will never die. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, if you have made Jesus your Lord, eternal life is resident in your spirit now. And so your born-again loved ones who have left this planet, they did not die. They left the planet and they vacated their mobile home. But they were present with the Lord from the moment they left their mobile home. Very much alive, even more alive and aware of the goodness of God. They have not died. That's the hope we have. And that's not a hope like, oh, I hope so. That's a, I'm going to see them again. And I know that I know it. I'm confident in this. Amen? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. Doesn't that make you want to shout? Only God can do that. He takes them right out of their earth suit and puts them right in the presence of God. Hallelujah. You will never die if you've made Jesus your Lord. Why? Because he already died for you. He died spiritually. He died physically so that when you leave this earth, you will never taste death. You will never experience death. You'll just leave the body and be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not going to hurt, nothing for you to be afraid of, and we're all going to exit our bodies unless the Lord comes before we do. I love how Keith Moore says it. There is nobody here from the 1800s. Anybody from the 1800s? Do I see anybody from the 1800s? Nobody that you know was here in the 1800s. Why, they've already exited. This is a temporary, a temporary place that we are in. Amen? And we will exit. And when we exit, we're going to go confident. And we're going to go looking forward to all the people that we're going to see. You know, I'm, I'm so looking forward to talking to my grandmother, who was one of the few people that really knew God and prayed for me. Because she didn't get to see the, the, what God has done in my life from this side. She's seen it as a great cloud of witness, but I'm so excited to, to I got her Bible and I'm just saying, Grandma, you prayed for me. You believed God for me when I was walking in sin and running after the, the, the life I was running after. I'm so excited to talk to her about the goodness of God. And how she knew God and set an example in my life. When I did get in trouble, when I did realize hell was real, I went to church because I knew my grandma's not a liar and she knew God. So that's how we leave. We leave with confidence and we leave with expectation and, and, and we leave looking forward to, to what is ahead of us. Amen. That's a renewing of the mind. This is one of the things we have to renew our mind where death is concerned. I will not die. I will never taste death. Oh, thank you, Lord. I mean, you need to go ahead and start conditioning yourself for that. I will never taste death. Father, thank you. I just thank you. You know, there are certain things that, that the Spirit of God told me to emphasize, and I just bring them up as thanksgivings. Yeah. You know, one of the things he said was for me to emphasize the hundredfold return. And whenever I think about it, I just say, Father, I thank you for the privilege of the hundredfold return. Well, this is one of those things we could just say, Father, I thank you. I will never taste death. When I leave my body, I'll be present with you. I'll never taste death. 
Amen? Praise God. Why? Because I have eternal life now. Jesus tasted death for every man. For, now, not every man has received what he has done, but we have, haven't we? If you've made Jesus your Lord, you've received what he's done for you. He has tasted death for you. Look at 1 Peter 3.18. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Do you see what his purpose was in, in redemption? That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So he died. He died physically. He died spiritually. And he was raised from the dead. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells and quickens your mortal body. But he was raised from the dead. You know, when we refer to Jesus as the only begotten of the Father, the Bible is referring to him as the only begotten up until the blood was shed and then it refers to him as the firstborn the firstborn the firstborn from the dead was Jesus the first man raised from the dead well Lazarus was raised from the dead wasn't he there was a, a man whose Elijah's bones Elijah Elisha's bones raised him from the dead there were people raised from the dead uh, in the Old Testament so that we're, we're talking about firstborn. Firstborn from the dead. He, he was the only begotten until salvation was made available. And now we have many begottens. We have many that are begat of God here. Right? But Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. The first raised back from spiritual death to spiritual life. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He died spiritually on the cross. He had never been separated from God in his life. Remember what spiritual death means. The definition of spiritual death is to be separated from the life of God. And Jesus died spiritually and he cried out. Knew, he knew it was coming. He had prepared himself. He even in the garden with the, the travailings in the garden. Lord, if there be any way, let this cup pass for me. He knew what was coming. And still, the moment that his spirit was separated from God, it was such a shock. It was such a, 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 such a strange and ungodly feeling. Oh, my God. My God. Why have you for, to be forsaken and separated from the presence of his father who he had in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God the same was in the beginning with God and now he's hanging on the cross becoming sin for every man and he is made dead unto God and he cries out with such a shock to know what it feels like to be separated from God but he trusted God he trusted God he trusted God that even though I am yielding myself unto spiritual death, my God is faithful and He will raise me back to life. He will raise me back to life. Hallelujah. Jesus died in faith. By faith He became sin. By faith He died spiritually. So that you by faith can be born again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus had, think about this, Jesus had to use faith to become sin. He was, he was the second person of the Godhead in a human body. Legally a, a man, legally a man, not just faking it, not just posing as a man. He was legally born as a man. But he became sin. How does the righteousness of God, he had to by faith say, I take on me the sin of mankind so that we by faith can take on ourselves the righteousness of God. 
Uh, we're talking about the chastisement necessary to obtain our peace. The chastisement necessary to make us whole again. To make us restored. It says that he was put to death but quickened by the Spirit. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm looking for a place to jump off because I, have, I, I, I'm, I think I'm almost where we need to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we are all dead and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He died for all. Again, not everybody has received it. It's only working, it's only a working salvation in those who receive it. But it says once we receive it, if we come with the recognition of what has transpired because of Jesus dying spiritually for me, then it will cause in us a desire to live for Him. That we should live unto Him. That we should live unto Him. Look at Romans 15 and verse 12. He died for all. He died spiritually. He died physically, but he died spiritually, which is the, was the bigger picture, the more important thing that, that needed to be solved in our life was that spiritual death. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death, spiritual death, by sin. Because well, Adam didn't die the moment he sinned physically. He didn't die physically the moment he sinned, but he died spiritually the moment he sinned. So when sin entered, he died spiritually. Death entered into his, that, that separation from God entered into his spirit through sin. And so death passed upon all men, that condition of being separated from God, for that all have sinned. It passed on to, to everyone in the lineage. You know, I, 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 it helped me to use an illustration of that model of a car. They have that prototype of a certain model. They make a prototype of a certain vehicle, and then everything that comes off the assembly line is a version of the prototype. It may have some different packages added onto it. It yeah. may have some different color. But the prototype is what sets the standard for the base package of everything that follows after that prototype, the assembly line. Amen. Adam was the original prototype. And when he fell, everybody who came off the assembly line after him had what he had in the fall. But Jesus is referred to as the last Adam and the second man. There were a lot of human beings on the earth in between the time that, Jesus, that Adam was created and Jesus was born into the earth. But God calls him the second man. Why? Because he was the second prototype. And Jesus came with all the bells and whistles. I mean, Jesus is the prototype of the best. I'm talking about top of the line, fastest running motor. I mean, all the horsepower. Jesus came as the second prototype. And everyone who receives Jesus as Lord is born again. And they come off the new assembly line with all the bells and whistles Jesus has. And all the packages that Jesus has. We look like him. We look like him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 17. If by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more. Say that with me. Much more. Much more. 
I mean, what Adam is not even to be compared to what God did in Jesus. It's not even on the same playing field. It's not even in the same, in the same, in the same category. You can't even, I mean, it's like the difference between lightweight and heavyweight. What, what Satan did in Adam is minuscule compared to what God did in Christ. Amen. Amen. And what God did in Christ, God did in you. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, much more they shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. That's the description of your life from this day forward. You reign. You reign in life by Christ Jesus. You govern in life by Christ Jesus. You dominate in life by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Why? Because what Jesus accomplished for our nothing missing, nothing broken, we're not going to leave any of it on the table. We're not going to leave any of it uneaten. I mean, there were some things that my... And it's okay. We're about to close and you can go eat dinner. So let me talk to y'all about what my grandma put on the table. <laughs> Nobody made macaroni and cheese like my grandma. I think she used a whole thing of Velveeta. <laughs> Woo! There was no... I mean, it, her macaroni and cheese make pinto beans good. I mean... I had to put the pinto beans in the macaroni and cheese. Her macaroni and cheese was so good, I never left any of it on my plate. If she put it on my plate, I'm going to eat it all. And blackberry cobbler, if it ended up on my plate, I, I mean, if it's any left in the, in, the, in the dish, I'm going back, right? I'm not going to leave any of it uneaten. And that's the way we need to be about our redemption. There's not one privilege that he died and suffered and, and endured the chastisement to bring to me, that I'm going to say, I'm going to push back from the table and say, I've had enough. I'll just leave that. No, no, no. Put that on my plate. I'll find room for it. I'll find room for that blackberry cobbler. I'll find room for another, another helping of, of that macaroni and cheese. There's room in your life for everything Jesus did. And, and it pleases. You know what? The greatest pleasure my grandmother had is when we all ate. You know, it would, it would be like it hurt her feelings if we weren't hungry when we came to it. Like, what? What's the matter? What? You're not going to finish? What's on? Is there something wrong with it? But how many believers are just pulling up and just eating a bare minimum off their plate of salvation and redemption? And pushing back and saying, Lord, I'm satisfied with just my four no more. I'm satisfied with just enough. Lord, just uh, build me a cabin on the corner of glory land. Scripture verse for that. He said mansion. Why do we want to bring it down? If you want your mansion in cabin style, let, but it's going to be a, a landed estate. If you want it to look like a, a resort, with the cabin decorations. But the intent of that song was just give me a little shack put together with bare minimum in the corner of glory land. That's not going to honor God. That's not going to honor God. That's like saying, oh, Grandma, just give me about four macaroni. That's not going to honor the one who made it. That's, and and for, for us to, to, to pull every aspect of our redemption into our life and partake of every bit of it, that's going to give more glory to God than anything that we could do. Receive what He did. Hallelujah. Father, we do at this moment. Just lift your hands and, and just commit to receive every aspect of your redemption today. Just right now, commit to it. Lord, help me. Help me to receive every portion of my inheritance for your glory.
for my redemption to be complete, Lord. That my life would have nothing missing and nothing broken. Father, in my finances, in my family relationships, in my health, everything that Jesus purchased for me, that I would receive it in Jesus' name.